Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Health Shift, my podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. I'm here to help people make a paradigm shift in the healthcare, mental health care, and world health care arenas. And please note that the discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's get started today. I'd like to welcome Greg Slavor. Greg is the president and founder of Westward International. He has over 25 years of experience in executive leadership development and education, has served as a coach, consultant, and facilitator for companies across Europe, Asia, North America, South America, and Australia. Under Greg's leadership, Westward International has made its mission to give back supporting nonprofit organizations that help children and at-risk youth across the United States, Mexico, Thailand, India, and South America. I had the pleasure and privilege to meet Greg and attend a weekend session with other amazing folks from around the country, all in a mission to support growth and healing in our individual and collective work. His mission is reimagining what it means to lead wisely in a global age. Man, are we in for a treat. So welcome, Greg. Great to be here with you, uh, Julie. Thank uh, you so much. The treat was all mine. <laughs> That's great. Yes. So tell us your story. I always love to hear people's paths, how you got to where you are today. <laughs> <laughs> that could probably take uh, more than a, a day. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure you want the full story. But um, I, I mean, I'll share a few salient points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in college, my intention was to be a doctor. So I had, I started my degree in biology and then about halfway through college, I realized I'd rather work with the mind and the spirit than the body. Mm. So I finished my degree in biology, but I did not go to medical school and was offered a job as a science teacher and a football coach in a local Catholic high school in the town I graduated in mm-hmm. and, and took that job and taught science because quite frankly, I didn't know what to do next, right? I was just looking for a job. Sure. And through that process, did not get any more clarity in terms of what I wanted to do, but knew what was important to me. And that at the time was my spirituality. And so I started looking into graduate programs on spirituality. Mm-hmm. And looked at a few different programs, ended up choosing Boston College. So after four years of teaching in the high school, went full time to get my graduate degree. And in that kind of period, I got connected with M. Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled, Different Drum. Ah, yes. Amazing book. And, yeah. And then was able to get trained in his foundation since I was working with young people. And actually, at one point, was the youngest trainer in the foundation and started doing community buildings and group dynamics work while I was then went to graduate school at Boston College. And between that work and my work as a, as a youth minister in a, with high school students, when I was just about to finish my graduate degree at BC, they came to me and said, look, we have an opening as a chaplain. Will you apply? Hmm. And so I, so I did and got the job and then I spent seven years at Boston college working on staff as a chaplain. Oh, amazing. 
Yes. Yeah, no. So it worked out really well. And what's, what's interesting at this point in juncture is that I now have a degree in science mm-hmm. and a degree in spirituality. <laughs> and I'm doing a lot of work in emotional intelligence, mindfulness, meditation, et cetera, which really requires both. And so by chance, accident, stumbling along, I ended up doing exactly what I needed to do, even though I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Isn't that usually the way? (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. And so, um, and then had a chance to work with some really neat people along the way. You know, like I mentioned, M. Scott Peck, George Land, Jim Rohn, um, Warren Bennis and others um, in different programs, retreats, workshops, global institutes. And so the work at this point is pulling together very professional grade, unique programs that help people be people managers, people leaders, but bringing in the new science of Mm. mindfulness, presence, authentic leadership, Mm -hmm. and helping them integrate that into either large global fortune 50, fortune five companies or small startups. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, how to, how to stay connected, stay curious, and still be creative and do what the marketplace needs to do in ways that bring people together and that also serve as healing forces for the people who are working together to make it happen and for the people who are receiving it. Yes. No, you know, I, you know? I so agree. I, um, yeah. For many years, I, I worked throughout the Wellesley college system. There was Wellesley, Babson, Regis, you know, they were all right there, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing um, health services work as a nutritionist and also mental health counselor at Babson, they had started their spirituality and leadership program. So I got involved on the ground floor there and always had that curiosity of how do we bring together, again, the health sciences, the bio- biological health sciences, with spirituality. And just a few years ago, I, I, you may not know this, but I was a cantor in my church for many years. I've sung for pretty ah. much all of the family and friend weddings, funerals, you know, you name it. Um, you'll be singing today then for this <laughs> podcast, right? We don't want to miss that yet. <laughs> oh, don't have the vocal chops student up yet. But um, <laughs> I was invited to go to the religious conference up in LA. You know, this was just before COVID uh, shutdown. And it was amazing. We had thousands and thousands of people from around the world. Um, But, you know, the amazing piece of it was that all these people were gathered together in terms of helping with leadership, spirituality, and really trying to answer and look at, have inquiry into those tough questions. How do we bring all faith communities together? And as a child, um, it's what's interesting, kind kind of coming back to that whole Boston College thing. My uncle Vin uh, graduated, uh, he would have been in his 90s now, but he also was the scout who got Doug Flutie at BC. Well, that's um, quite a claim to fame. Yep, yep. And I also love the St. Louis Jesuit music, you know, saying that for years, but we used to visit a place called Graymore in New York. I don't know if you know of it. Mm. Um, Father Paul was a Protestant who became Catholic and started, you know, the Friars of the Atonement. And basically the idea was bringing all faith communities, no matter who you were, what you were together, that all may mm-hmm. be one. 
And that's been sort of one of the driving principles in the work that I do in healthcare and leadership and, and all of that. So anyway, um, tell us a little bit more about how you work with your clients and your groups. I'm, I'm so fascinated by this. Yeah, I mean, it's, so what happened then after I, I'd left the university, I started doing more work for companies and for groups and teams, mostly in community building, mm -hmm. but then also in group dynamics and got connected with a few different organizations. One of them being Interaction Associates. They, I came on as an associate there and started training people on how to facilitate, how to be a facilitative leader, how to run better meetings. And then also got connected. Um, Arthur Anderson Business Consulting became a client, mm -hmm. helped them develop leadership programs, started my own company, you know, Westwood International. And, you know, through these different connections and pieces, I started to see how teams could be more and more effective if they were more connected and had the right tools to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, what I started to do, and since I've always been curious and I've always had the collaborative bend, probably because of my community building group dynamics work as well, is always customizing programs for teams, groups, organizations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's been it, right? I've never had an off the shelf, like, look, here's the one tool that's been proven and here's the way you got to go about it. And when you get this, you'll be dumped into a database with our other million people who've been through this program and you'll see how you can compare. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not my, it's not my styles, nor, nor is our, is it, is it our organization style? Mm -hmm. And so what we do then is we take the best of the best and begin to pull pieces together that fit and custom a particular group. Like right now working with a large global law firm who does MA work working with a large um, company that is actually developing the COVID-19 vaccine, um, working with another company that does medical devices. And so each of those pieces are unique, working with a, with a financial firm. They're all unique and have unique pressures in terms of how they have to go about the work, how they have to interact, and who they have to serve. Mm -hmm. And so it's been wonderful to have the freedom and space to custom design all of that. And what's neat is that we've been able to develop some very specific partnerships. Like as an example, Michelle McQuaid, who is one of the leading researchers in positive psychology in the world. She's out of Australia. Mm -hmm. And we've been partnering with her and her surveys and her techniques to literally measure how people are getting better and stronger as they go through our programs. Um, and so those kinds of additions or partnerships have been really helpful for us to not only create robust programs, but to be able to show and tell the story afterwards in both results and antidotes about the difference it's making for people. Yeah. So that's a bit about how we're going about our work and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so true. People do like to have data and statistics to back things up. And I think that, you know, mm -hmm. we're at a time in, in science uh, where we can do that. And it's nice to see that actually spirituality can be scientifically measured to a degree as well in the quantum science model, which is, is really wonderful. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if I could just touch on that for a moment, mm -hmm. 
it's amazing is that I don't even need to mention spirituality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I just, if, if, if we talk about, hey, look, if you listen and you find a way to listen more deeply, here's the other information you can figure out that you can pick up, that you can see. And with that information, you can now better serve your people, your team, and make more specific and impactful decisions for the client and for the market. So what if we work on your ability to be present, to listen, and to deliver? And oh, by the way, if you want to practice at home, it might make a difference for you at home too. <laughs> right? And so it's kind of yeah. neat without even talking about spirituality. Yeah. If we just look at being listening, being present, being curious, not taking things personally, and finding better ways to serve, which probably covers 80% of spirituality anyway. Of course. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And we let people know that we're going to show this to you in the corporate setting and why it's going to make a difference and how you can be more impactful with less effort. And it's also going to be good at home. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting, you're like, getting two for two first. You're getting two first. Yeah, two you're, for one. You're getting a two for, <laughs> you're getting a two for here. And so, you know, that's, that's a powerful combination. And it, it, it really, when, when that light starts to go on and people are like, Oh, I see now what's going to happen here. I'll put the effort in, right. I'll make, I'll, I'll try this stuff out mm-hmm. because it is like literally in the first week, people say, oh, wow, that week was easier than last week mm-hmm. because I changed this and this. And all of a sudden this week is easier. Week three, let me try it this way. And by week 12, 14, 15, 18, we just finished a, a 16-week program with leaders in Asia from multiple countries, Thailand, China, Japan, Singapore, um, Philippines, like 17 leaders from multiple countries. And and in the reviews, all of them came back. Um, More impactful, better conversations, better presentations. I'm not as rattled. I don't think take things personally. My team has said they've noticed a difference, that I'm more attentive to them, that I listen better, that I'm more supportive. Um, The results are showing. Our meetings are shorter. We're getting better decisions. There's more buy-in. It's remarkable as you look down the list, the difference it makes. And I think the challenge that a lot of people have, and I'm seeing this now with a lot of the requests because people are seeing the results that we're getting for clients. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you do a two-hour workshop and get us there too? Right? Hey, can you do like a 90-minute workshop and, and teach us how to listen? And, and, it's a, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I actually can't do that. But I can show you the concepts in 90 minutes. But if you want to go from a concept to practicing, that's going to take a couple of workshops. If you want to go from a concept to practicing to then making that a habit, you're going to need some coaching and that's going to take a couple of months. If you want to go from a concept to knowing to habit to now starting to build that into your teams and groups and culture, it's going to take six to eight months. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And you know, I think that's part of the education process that we can measure it, we can show it, we can give you the results, and they'll be tangible. But it takes time and effort. 
It's yeah. not a quick fix. And, you know, one of the images that I think is, is helpful for people as well is that it's, it's shallow enough for a mouse to walk in, but it's deep enough for an elephant to swim in. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. so, you know, once people get into it, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and sometimes the sports analogy is helpful. Like, look, the practice that the players in, in a major league baseball team or basketball team are doing are very similar to the exercises and drills that kids in second, third, and fourth grade are doing. Mm-hmm. Dribbling, playing defense, shooting free throws, practicing their plays as a team. It's just the level and the competency changes significantly from level to level to level. And so give us six, eight months with your team and they'll be on the path, but don't think they'll be finished because there's another level, another level, another level, depending on how far they want to go. Right? Yeah. I, I know people who are so good right now, they can change a whole room just by listening and asking two questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it's masterful, but that's come with years of work. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so challenging. It, what's interesting is I run into the very same thing. It's the initial assessment and they think, you know, great, I'm going to cure everything. I'm going to fix everything in my one visit with Julie. And I'm thinking, ah, mm-hmm. we're just scratching the surface, identifying some of the issues, challenges. And again, you know, I'm looking at biochemistry. I'm looking at environment. I'm looking at psychology, you know, all of that in terms of what roadblocks have people experienced. And Again, getting them to say, you know what, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and spend time and effort is not an easy thing because, you know, we come Mm -hmm. from a society where you take a pill to cure every ill um, or you surgically cut it out and it's gone and you never have to change anything that you ever did. So in some ways, you know, we're going against the tide, but I love the fact that you're using statistics and and, uh, and feedback and things like that to really help people see the results that they're getting with the work that you're doing. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it makes a big difference and it creates the story that people need, need to hear in order to reinforce the work. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, you know, it's interesting. I, I get up this morning, I just got a new puppy a month ago. She's been with me exactly a month. And so of course my, my morning routine has changed. I would get up, I would have my cup of coffee. I would journal, do a little bit of quiet time. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, that's been a little bit disrupted, I have to say, but it also mm-hmm. in, a very, in a very joyful way. And I thought this morning, I'm going to ask Greg how he starts his morning. So how do you start mm-hmm. every, how do you start your mornings, Greg? Well, yeah, I'll give you the ideal morning, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, on, on my best days, it would be uh, turn the alarm off or wake up, mm-hmm. you know, on my best days, I put myself to sleep in time to wake up before the alarm goes off, mm-hmm. um, use facilities, come back and meditate for 45 minutes, and then sit down with a journal for 15 to 20 minutes to map out my day. And then either before or after, hopefully both, talk to my wife, let, let her know how much I love her mm-hmm. and ask her about her day. And then step into my first one, two or three tasks that get me to the goal I want to get to. So that would be 
my general morning. And then at the end of the day, I do my stretching exercise, et cetera, to create a transition. And then in the evening, I'll oftentimes give myself the break of sports or news, um, or I'll do some learning, like watch a TED talk or watch a documentary or, you know, look at a master class or do some reading. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my daily rhythm or schedule. And it doesn't vary a lot on the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, Great. You know, I'm so energized by the work and by thinking about it, uh, often on the weekends, the, the thing that I'll enjoy even more, I'll do probably a very similar schedule, but I'll just let my mind wander a bit more on the weekends. Like I don't feel like I have to get to a meeting or to an email or anything. So there's just more space to do what I'm trying to do during the week. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? It does. It's beautiful. You know, I, I call it, I coin it life work because like yourself, you know, there's not really a beginning or an end to the work and the life and the things that really kind of jazz me up and I get passionate about. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's really great. You know, yeah. and it's interesting because, um, you know, we chatted just a few minutes before we got on here. Um, why in my podcast am I including leaders and executive function specialists and neuropsychologists and things like that? And part of it is that I really see all of this as part of the ecosystem of total health. And mm -hmm. leader, leaders show by example. Mm -hmm. you know, and this is also part of their example is part of their work that they do in terms of tuning into their own spiritual nature. Like what is it that is lighting, you know, lighting your light or charging your battery in order for you to support other leaders in, um, in the work that they do. So mm -hmm. I really see leadership as being so much, you know, a part and parcel of our total healthcare system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So any other things that you have to add in terms of uh, the work that you're doing or some of the new, you know, the new agenda items that you have upcoming in the new year? I have a meditation where I meet with once a week for 30 minutes. And during one particularly intensive stretch where I need to put together a proposal, I was asked by a company to put in a proposal to train their 50,000 people mm. to bring hope to the world. Uh, so it was one of the largest proposals I ever, I ever worked on. Wow. And it was great. Wow. It was a, just, it was a high point for those two months to work on the proposal, to design the work, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. And my meditation teacher said to me at that point, he said, look, in the midst of this intense work, just do one spiritual practice where you turn off your phone for two hours a day, just to remind yourself the world doesn't need you. Mm -hmm. And then it will go on without you. Mm -hmm. And it was a fascinating practice. And I, and I'm just realizing in our conversation that I've let go of that. And I found it quite life fulfilling to be able to disconnect and be my own self, but also know the world doesn't need me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that whole, um, um humbling of ourselves, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yes. Bringing, bringing ourselves from the top and the lofty, you know, down to, yeah, I'm right. just one other part of this atmosphere here. Mm, exactly. And then, and then second there's, um, we have a couple 
I mean, I mentioned Michelle McQuaid and the Wellbeing Survey, which is fantastic work. We're also developing another partnership with a company called Exchange, who does masterful facilitation based on appreciative inquiry. And we're doing more work with them. And very excited about that partnership and that growth. Matter of fact, a lot of our, a lot of our facilitators from Western International we're now putting through the exchange approach training, and they have more than one, which has been great. And we're looking now to build some joint programs and deliveries to key clients using a combination of our knowledge. And I'm very excited about that. Matter of fact, Julie, the weekend you mentioned at the top of the show, that you, the weekend that you attended, we're probably going to do another one in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be more than welcome to attend if you wanted to. And we're going to be talking about leadership, leadership development, health, wholeness, and how do we create organizations that are more diverse, more robust, and more resilient. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. yes, definitely keep me posted on that because it was well, such a transformational weekend for me. That's for sure. Yeah, great. We'll do that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So what three tips do you have to offer people who are listening to this podcast? Tips for living, for leadership, for mm, living dealer's leader- choice? Well, I'm going to leave, I'm going to lead it to, uh, leave it to you in terms of what tips you would like to offer people. And that can be in the leadership world. When we think about leadership, it's not only with organizations, but it's within our families and within our own lives. All right. So dealer's choice. Um, here, here are three tips. One, emotions are often what trip us up and the difficulty or challenge of dealing with them. And so one concept and idea that's helped me a lot is seeing emotions as messengers. Because I'm realizing I don't have a strong emotion about something that doesn't matter to me. Mm. I only have strong emotions about things that matter. So if a strong emotion shows up, that emotion is simply a messenger to tell me about what matters. Mm. So why don't I just get the message from the messenger and then I can let the messenger be on its way? Because if I get the message and say, hey, I want to connect with so-and-so or I feel like I've been rejected by so-and-so and I want to be connected to them. If I get that message, hey, that relationship's important to me and I want to be connected, that message can lead me into a very different direction than, hey, I can't believe they didn't invite me to that dinner. The anger or the resentment, they may come up with that. If I act out of the anger and resentment, I have one action. If I act out of, oh, that, that emotion showed up because that relationship's important to me, How do I connect with them? That's what I want to do. Then I have a very different action. And so that would be one tip. Begin to to look at your emotions as messengers. The second tip and thing that's helped me a lot is I've, you know, I did some work with Wim Hof. I went to some workshops with him. Mm -hmm. You know, and I finished every one of my cold shower or every one of my showers now with two to three minutes of cold. Oh, okay. Oh no, it is. It is. There are times <laughs> it's still painful. 
but that practice, it just continually reminds me, hey, all the water that comes out of the faucet, I'm not going to like. Yeah. How do I, how do I learn to embrace it? Mm-hmm. And so it's been a little metaphor and a little practice every day for me that's helped to remind me of, hey, just be, just be present. Right. So that that's a, a second tip that I think is really helpful. The third is keeping in mind that the brain is not always acting in your best interest. It's acting in the way it was wired for 200,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And keeping that in mind is helpful because there are sometimes your brain may give you a message. And you just got to ask the question, is this helpful? Mm -hmm. And you've got to train yourself to be able to say yes or no to those. It's not always yes. And it kind of goes back to that first tip of get the message and then let the messenger be on its way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let it let it go. And it also reminds me of Byron Katie. You know, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? (laughs) Oh, I love I think Byron Katie. I think that five question sequence is one of the most brilliant inventions of all time it really is it really is and I, yeah and i think her question of who would you be without that story is one of the best reflective questions ever yes yes and it's just great she's great she's yeah. great oh my god these are amazing tips you know and yeah when i think of healthcare, my definition is so much more expansive than just the health of the body but it's of our minds our mm-hmm. spirits our world including people from every walk of life in our precious environment um i've actually become active in the you know b core organizations and trying to think about oh. how can we create something that would be amazon like that's not amazon um mm-hmm. so i may be tapping uh you know getting out in touch with you in terms of ooh, how can i create this uh moving forward but, you yeah, know, I mean, we're a B Corp as well, so we'd love to have that conversation. Ah, with you. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, because yeah. I've been trying to reach out and, and look into some of that. And, you know, again, I, I love the fact that science and spirituality are finally coming together, that we can, again, use that scientific model to prove certain things, because in some ways, it's the only way we're going to get the conventional folks to even, you know, look up and maybe pay attention. So for me, I've always been a bridge between conventional an ancient, I don't like the word alternative because it's really not alternative. It's really more ancient mm-hmm. or, in, or indigenous, but I am so, so, you know, grateful for having you here today. And how can people get in touch with you, Greg? Yeah, I think the, the easiest way is probably on LinkedIn. Okay. I mean, I'm the only, I'm the only Greg Slavore on the whole planet. Okay. So if you find, <laughs> if you find Greg and my last name is spelled Z as in zebra L E V is in victory OR. If you find that name, yep. it's me. Okay. Right? That's, that's just generally me. So it's um, going to be tough to steal my identity because I am the only one in the world. Got um, it. But uh, that would probably be the easiest way to reach me. Um, or if people want to send me an email, mm-hmm. um, I'm still old school. I think back in the 90s, I got this email and I've never let it go. I don't know why, but it's just my last name, Zebra, L E V is victory OR. At AOL.com, okay. my personal email. Okay. Um, you know, people can reach out to me there. They can find all the business stuff on LinkedIn and reach out to me personally there. That'd be great. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Like you, I'm kind of old school too. I like the phone. I like emails. I like to be able to stay connected personally with people. So this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. And again, I thank you so much. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and share with your family, your friends, and your coworkers. I'm on a mission to change the current paradigms of healthcare, mental health care, and leadership. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net, on Instagram at Julie Freeman Mindful Wellness, and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. Until next time. <laughs>